Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Uh, let's jump in and get rolling with you on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippy. The C Spire text line is open to you on this Monday. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're not just saying they're, they care. They are taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day. From free wireless data for educational websites, to connecting businesses with the tools that they need to work from home. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecares. If you did not hear the entire press conference with Governor Tate Reeves, I think a couple of the things that, that really stood out was in looking at the projected number of cases and the necessary resources for uh, for hospitals, for hospital beds, and for ICU beds, I think one of the big things that stood out today was Governor Reeves talking about the um, uh, the implementation uh, of using Camp Shelby, uh, 200 beds that will be available at Camp Shelby in the uh, coming days, maybe the next couple of weeks, uh, and also a, a similar-sized facility in North Mississippi, though they were not ready to name specifically what that facility was, uh, at least not today. Uh, said it probably would not be a military uh, installation of any type, but could very well be a uh, community college or perhaps one of the uh, uh, institutions of higher learning, whether that's Mississippi State or uh, Ole Miss or, or Delta State, just kind of thinking of the, the three that would be basically in the northern half of the uh, of the state of Mississippi. So they're looking at the need for, at the peak, as things are projected right now, an additional 400 hospital beds uh, in the neighborhood of an additional 250 ICU beds, uh, and again, that's based on kind of the, the planning and the numbers that uh, that they're using to measure everything right now. Uh, so those plans are in place. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Over the weekend, uh, we did get the uh, the national disaster declaration. Uh, nas- not national. The, the federal disaster declaration. I may not be phrasing that exactly uh, the right way, uh, but that was a declaration from the president that the state of Mississippi is a uh, in a disaster zone. That over opens up some funding uh, for for the state, uh, also for the National Guard as it is needed, and allows the state of Mississippi to be reimbursed federally from some of the money that it is having to spend in the fight against COVID-19 and coronavirus. So those were some of the high points. You certainly can go back uh, to supertalk.fm. You can watch the press conference. Uh, you can find it uh, on Facebook, archived after uh, this is uh, completely over. And uh, certainly there are plenty of places that you can get that. Borky, before we jump into the sports side of things, is there anything that you heard that I missed on in terms of high points that we need to point out in case people were late joining? Um, nothing that you missed, no. I, I did see uh, he referenced uh, some positive data. It is very early to take anything major away from it, but we did see some uh, altering of projections over the weekend, which is a very good thing. And also, he reminded everybody to continue to not be stupid and nobody will bother you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the paraphrasing, but yes, that was uh, it's basically what we talked about on Friday. It's what the governor talked about last week. And uh, we continue to uh, remind you, if you are smart and you stick with your family and really small gatherings, then you're going to be okay 
uh, in terms of uh, not getting any, in any trouble uh, with, uh, with law enforcement agencies. Thanks for being with us. If you have any questions, if you missed anything, feel free to shoot them to us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. I generally ask this to start things unless we've just got to dive in, so uh, I guess I will as well. Obviously, we're in a different time than we plan to be right now, but given that, Borky, how was your weekend? Uh, weekend was good. Got a ton accomplished in the yard, cooked some stuff, uh, had to make a grocery store run, uh, which is not advised unless you have to, but I had to. And it seemed like everybody except for two guys who decided to really give each other like the most intimate bro hug you've ever seen in your life. Aside from uh. those two, most everybody else was wearing gloves and covered and stuff, so doing it uh, the right way. It is still... I was explaining to Steven yesterday... And I, we're pretty social people in the South, right? I was sure. at I was at a local big box store, and I was behind two older ladies in an aisle, and they were walking towards each other with their carts, looking up to their right. So they didn't see each other until they got pretty close. Like their carts were about to touch, and when they noticed, they both like veered to the right to avoid each other. And in that moment, I thought, man, any other time they probably would have said hello and like laughed at each other, and it's just. This just stinks because they they had to, which is the right thing to do, but they like dodged each other as they were pushing their shopping carts in a big box store this weekend. And it's just what you're supposed to do, but just sad. Hey, Dad, you make it through the weekend okay? Still here. Still here. Still kicking. Yes. You uh, you sent some pictures on Saturday night of your uh, your grill work. It looked good. It was good. It was, all, it was, it was very good food. I was very excited about it. Saturday is going to be my cooking day going forward. Not that I don't cook other days, but sure, that's going to be the big day. Yeah, I got to be honest. So, what it was a pork tenderloin? Is that right? Pork loin, yeah. Hey, well, okay, a pork loin, and it looks good. Well, they're different. It's a different piece of meat. Fair enough. Pork loin, and it looked good. Yeah. I don't know what this says about me, but I was far more impressed with just how good those Brussels sprouts looked. Than the uh, the pork loin, even. I, I was not the what, what was left over was claimed by my wife. I'm not allowed to have any of the leftover Brussels sprouts. So. Oh really? That's a shame. Yeah, she she, she claimed them. What can I do? There you go. Hey, Rippy. What's up? How'd you make it through the weekend? Anything exciting? Not really. Just played golf. That was uh, really about it. But nice weekend. You know, on the golf thing, I I actually uh, I snuck out and played. Uh, yesterday and i know there are some people that kind of take a uh maybe look down their nose at you a little bit about oh you're not taking this seriously if you're on the golf course but done right you really can practice social distancing get some fresh air enjoy the outdoors and not really endanger yourself or anyone else so it's uh not a bad way to go no yeah that is correct i can't relate to wanting people to be miserable alongside with you, but sure. Porky, you know what I did, though, yesterday when I was playing golf? I didn't make any putts, as usual, but this time you had an excuse with a pull noodle inside? I made a couple of putts. I I did not really play very well yesterday and scored even more poorly than that. Yeah, but at least you got to play, you know? Yeah, it was beautiful outside, but uh, I had a while-you're-getting-old moment. You pulled your had back. nothing to do with 
No, no, worse than that. Had nothing to do with, you know, distance off the tee or iron shots into the green. Uh, we were on 17, which is a par 5, and I hit it right, but it was playable. And then I chunked one with my 3-wood, which is always fun. It went about 30 yards, and it was still playable, but well right of the fairway. Ball was lying on kind of a dirt clod, trying to semi kind of play by the rules, play it as it lies, whatnot. I pull out a five iron. I'm just going to punch it back into the fairway, and I hit the ground before I hit the ball, and I feel like I probably have a hairline fracture in my wrist now. Oh, man. You going to keep playing? No, I mean, I couldn't swing a club on 18, and it was more sore this morning. Like, I can take it back, and I can hold it fine, but like that point where you kind of lock your wrist and then you release your wrist at impact – yeah, not not so good. Not so good. I'm not asking for anybody to feel sorry for me. It was just one of those, wow, that probably doesn't happen when you're 26, but when you're knocking on 40's door, uh, you seem to be a little more fragile than uh, maybe you were at one point in your life. Wait, you're there was another your... there was another word that uh, that came to mind uh, <laughs> in describing myself as well, uh, but I'll uh, I'll steer clear of that from uh, well anyway. So, um, no, you know, otherwise a, a pretty good weekend. Um, family bike ride with the family, which is a little redundant. Family bike ride, I should say. We got out on Saturday afternoon, kind of rode all over town, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, I don't know how Frances pulled it off, so she's two, kind of closing in on three. And I've got one of those baby seats that goes on the back of the bike, and she absolutely loves it. She's like, Daddy, can I go ride my bike? Which means, hey, Daddy, can we get on your bike and let me sit in the back and you pedal all over the place while we go for a bike ride? Sure, it's great. Uh, fell smooth asleep. Like, head just falls forward. She's got her little sunglasses on. And I was like, I stopped. And I looked, I was like, Francis. Francis kind of picked her head up, fell right back in place. Only way I woke her up, I kind of shook her. I was like, if I give you my phone to watch cartoons while we're riding, will you wake up? And she popped her head up. She's like, okay. So it's like that's the magic pill. But Jane was convinced that she was going to like suffocate herself with her head falling off to the side. Anyway, um, we're burying the lead, but I'm doing it intentionally. I, I want us to have plenty of time to get into this. I don't want to start a conversation and uh, then all of a sudden have to go to a commercial break and then jump right back into it. I will – uh, kind of give you a heads up in case you have been in a cave or have had your head buried in the sand for the last, oh, 24 hours or so. Uh, Mississippi State is now looking for a new women's basketball coach. Vic Schaefer, uh, via Twitter, via a picture on Twitter yesterday, announced that he was now the head basketball coach at the University of Texas. Vic Schaefer is a native of Texas. Uh, it had been... Uh, thought for a long time that if Gary Blair at Texas A&M ultimately decided to retire, and the thought is that at some point he is going to retire, then that could potentially be a school that Mississippi State would have to be aware of, that might have to, uh, the Bulldogs or, or John Cohen might kind of have to fight Texas A&M off to be able to keep Vic Schaefer. Turns out it was not Texas A&M. It was a different school in the state of Texas who had a job opening. And uh, that was the University of Texas, and uh, you saw a picture yesterday of Vic Schaefer uh, with his family and Chris Del Conte, who is the athletics director at Texas, 
picture of five of them not practicing social distancing, not judging, family there. Maybe they were all, uh, all uh, important or uh, all um, aware that they were in good shape, all given the hook'em horn sign. I kind of felt like that, that picture was, a, was taken a few days ago, but that was my conspiracy theory working. Oh, really? That was my thought, because we, otherwise you – I know it's not a big deal, but that's still an ill-advised picture to take in, in these times, right? There are a lot of people that would argue that it's an ill-advised picture for different reasons than social True. distancing. We will get into that next. Brian Haydad wrote a story that is available at supertalk.fm and also on newsms.fm, kind of outlining the details. We'll get Haydad's thoughts and uh, some big-picture stuff on Vic Schaefer leaving Mississippi State for the University of Texas. We'll take a quick timeout. Be right back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. If you were worried that there would be no sports to talk about today, you were sorely mistaken. Big, big news coming yesterday afternoon out of Starkville as Vic Schaefer is now the head basketball coach at the University of Texas, the head women's coach at the University of Texas, leaving a vacancy at Mississippi State eight years as the head coach and uh, by just about any measure uh, that you choose to use, the most successful women's basketball coach in the history of Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, jump in. Tell me uh, what's going on, what you think, how people are reacting, all the above. Well, as you can probably guess, the the reaction is not great. Uh, this one really caught a lot of people, by, or I would say most everybody, by surprise, especially when you consider that, you know, I know Vic Schaefer, and he is as diehard an Aggie as anybody you will ever meet. I, I, when he did press conferences, he had two rings on. His wedding ring, to my knowledge, was not one of them. His SEC championship ring and his Aggie huh. ring were always on his, his hands. And so to, to see him and, and during the hook of horns, be, you know, not to put myself on his level, but it, you you probably never see me leading hotty toddy at the uh, at Vaught Hemingway Stadium anytime soon. Um, that said, uh, you know Texas is a is a program that offers a lot of opportunities that Mississippi State doesn't in terms of you know what you can get in terms of support from your 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 administration. They just have a lot more money. It's as simple as that. I don't think it was a money issue for uh, for Schaefer. I think he just wanted to go back to Texas, and I, I don't. I don't know that he was confident that Gary Blair was going to retire anytime soon, and I don't know that he really wanted to go head-to-head with Mississippi State at the end of the day. Not not saying that he couldn't beat Mississippi State, not just saying he didn't want to go up against some of his old players, if that were if that was indeed the case. That's just conjecture on my part, but it makes sense just knowing Schaefer uh, the way that I do. And so now, I mean, I cannot imagine that John Cohen took this job in, what, October of 2016, and thought he would have to hire two football coaches, two baseball coaches, and now a women's basketball coach in that amount of time. That is an incredible amount of turnover in, in such a short time period. And and that doesn't even take into account the smaller sports. And, and I'm not oh, yeah. saying smaller two, two to, soccer to coaches, but... a, two soccer coaches, a track coach, and a and a softball coach have changed as well. Yeah. So there's been a a lot of turnover in that amount of time. I, I spoke with someone. Um, I've talked to a couple of people, but someone in particular that uh, was really close to uh, to Vic Schaefer. And 
I asked if if he was surprised, and he said, I'm not surprised that he left, but I am floored by where he went, which kind of underscores what you were saying just a moment ago with regard to he is an Aggie or has been an Aggie through and through. They don't give out those class rings for people uh, that kind of like Texas A&M. You get an Aggie class ring when you graduate from Texas A&M, period. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, I heard somebody ask Ross Bjork not too terribly long ago when he was going to get his Aggie ring, and he kind of chuckled. He's like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of tradition in that, and uh, even though I'm proud to be here, uh, I'm not eligible for one of those. You have a diploma from Texas A&M, you're eligible for an Aggie ring. Otherwise, you don't get one. And I'll tell, that I'll was a real story. thing. Okay. A few weeks back when uh, State played Ole Miss in Oxford, after the, uh, in the press conference, Schaefer made a comment about the Ole Miss-Mississippi State rivalry and said, you know, it's unlike any rivalry. It's even unlike the, uh, the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry, which I'm obviously very familiar with. And as he was getting up, I, I, I said, I, I know about that Texas-Texas A&M rivalry. Coach Tyler, you want to tell about that? And, and Tyler Horka, who's one of the beat writers who went to Texas, just sort of laughed. We met. We were waiting on people to finish up writing, and we ran into Schaefer, and we talked for a few minutes about that. And he and I made a comment about Texas, and he gave me this look, and I was just like, it was pretty obvious his disdain for Texas in that moment. So to see him throwing up the hook'em horns, and then today in his press conference to throw out the praise the Lord and hook'em horns, uh, that, that is <laughs> very very surprising. That, that that I'll go ahead and tell you is a gut shot to Mississippi State fans who really bought into Schaefer and, and the family atmosphere and they and they they really believed in him and I mean he built that program from the ground up. He built an army of supporters and he just left them yesterday. And uh, that's that's the business. That's that's what college athletics is. Everybody's just sort of waiting on that next offer. But I know a, a, a ton of Mississippi State fans were heartbroken by that. Is heartbroken the right way to describe it, or is there anger that's there? No, there's definitely some anger. There's definitely some of that. I, I was seeing a good bit of it is in my that, Is that misplaced? Well, yeah. This is college athletics. It's a business. I, I know MSU runs the uh, We Don't Have Fans, We Have Family uh, promo with everybody, but at the end, it's business, guys, and that's that's what it is, you know? At the end of the day, everybody's looking to better themselves. Everybody's looking to, you know, make their life better in every profession. You know, I like working for Super Talk. I like you three guys. But if I got a better offer, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna listen to it. If it's what it's right for me, I'm gonna go. So that's just we how we don't like you that much, though. So son of a. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Oh, but let me ask you this. Okay, you're saying it's business. If you get a better offer, you would go. But a minute ago, you said you don't think that it was about the money. What if it's actually for Vic Schaefer about family? And about going home, even if it's not College Station home. And so it's less about business and more about getting back where he really wants to be. Right, and that's actual family. That's not, we wear the same t-shirt on Saturday's family. So, yeah, if you're telling me he wants to get back to Texas because he's a Texan and that's where his brothers and sisters and, and aunts and uncles are, then yeah, I get that. I totally would get that. Especially like I, I, you know, they put out last night that 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 state was willing to meet the the salary that Texas was giving him. So like I said, I don't think it was money. He just had other reasons to go. And I think the combination of what you can get from your administration in Texas in terms of support, and the fact that he's a Texan, and you know, Texans are are the Texans are Texans, man. They 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 take a lot of pride in that state. And you know, he wanted to go back home, and I get that. 
they're, they're, like I said, there's a difference between real family and we all went to the same college or we cheer for the same college family. I, I'm going to bring up this comparison because it was brought up to me by a Mississippi State person. So this is not, oh, Richard's taking something that happened at Mississippi State and trying to make it about Ole Miss. Okay. This was as big, it was as, hey, Dad, I I saw somewhere on a message board, they said if I, I don't know, if I didn't take this seriously enough, you were supposed to punch me or whatever. No, if you got excited. They don't want you to be excited, Richard. Oh, there are a few people that I've enjoyed interviewing more than Vic Schaefer in the time that we've been doing this radio show. He's always been incredibly gracious with his time. Uh, He's always been engaging uh, and we've talked about a whole lot more than just basketball. In fact, the last interview that we did with Vic Schaefer is probably the one that is my favorite, uh, mm-hmm. and it's when he talked about the uh, the role of military service and his family and kind of what that meant and the role that his mother played in raising him and how – okay, anyway, aside from that. So, again, somebody from Mississippi State brought this to my attention, and I thought it was an interesting comparison. How much is this like Kermit Davis going to Ole Miss? I think it's not the same. I, I get what you're saying. You know, then obviously, you know, Kermit Davis being a bulldog uh, before this, what, what, you know, I get what you're saying. But he wasn't at state. You know, he was he was away at Middle Tennessee State. State wasn't looking to hire him at the time, anything like that. I, 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 there's some similarities for sure, but this is Vic Schaefer. People really thought no, no, he, no, he no. Would, okay, I I don't mean as much for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. I mean for Texas and Texas A and M. Oh, okay. I so, see what so, you're saying. I so, see what you're so, saying. Uh, so, yes. Kermit Davis there, was elsewhere. He had very openly wanted the Mississippi State job on multiple occasions. Right. Had not gotten it, but okay. wanted to get back home, had an opportunity to get back to the state of Mississippi, and took the Ole Miss job. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Despite now. being uh, a bulldog. Whereas I, I don't, you look at Vic Schaefer wanted to get back to the state of Texas as an Aggie, but took the Texas job. Yeah, that makes that makes that's a better comparison with what you're saying. I get it now, um, and there's definitely something to that for sure. That uh, you know he he just wanted to go home, you know, and and I get that, and uh, you know, wish him well, Vic Schaefer. Like you just said, always generous with his time. Never turned down a request to be on the podcast with me. Was always good for a laugh in the press conferences, especially after a big win. Uh, but after a loss, just sometimes you got some of your best quotes out of that guy. So, a really good coach. I will be amazed if Texas isn't incredibly successful under him. And in a relatively short period of time, you would think. I would imagine. I mean, it'll probably I mean, take a couple of years to flip the roster well, I mean, and get it the way that he wants. To. That program. That program was not where Mississippi State was when he took over. That program. I mean, they just missed the NCAA tournament for the first time in years this past season. So they probably will be right back in the mix pretty quickly, I would imagine. Hmm. Interesting time. And the uh, the question next becomes, where does Mississippi State go? Do uh, do they try and uh, – does John Cohen go and hire an established women's basketball coach? Does he look for somebody that falls into the up-and-comer category? Uh, is there somebody at a power program right now that – if the resources are what they were for Vic Schaefer and his staff, could be convinced to uh, to make the transition? Or does John Cohen go about this an altogether different way? It's going to be interesting to see. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. We'll continue this conversation 
in just a couple of minutes. Junior Mafia. Skin. Yeah, Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Not necessarily turning the page on the story of Vic Schaefer. I think we'll continue to talk about that and kind of the impact that he made on Mississippi State basketball and where to go from here. But maybe that's the initial question, hey, Dad, is where do you go from here in terms of women's basketball and leadership of that program going forward? Um, I think that the, the top two names that are going to come out right this second, you know, first off, are going to be Matthew Mitchell, the head coach at the University of Kentucky, who, of course, upon almost like he was prompted to do so, released a tweet saying, I will be the coach of Kentucky as long as you'll have me. I'm sure Nick Saban nodded with approval. Uh, but he's from Louisville, Mississippi, Mississippi State graduate, uh, been really successful at Kentucky. And one thing about Kentucky is the women's program up there is sort of treated like a second-class citizen. They don't even get to play in Rupp. They play in the uh, in the old gym there. I think it's called I think it's called Memorial, but I could be wrong. Um, so yeah, so a chance to play, you know, in, in a top facility. Not that the Hump is the greatest facility in the world, but at least it's, you get on the equal footing, if not better, with the men at, at this time. Uh, and then the other name that's going to come up, of course, is uh, Schaefer's top assistant, Johnny Harris. He endorsed her for the job today at his press conference. National Assistant Coach of the Year uh, has been w- well renowned for her work. With uh, MSU's post players, she's the one who sort of got Tierra McCowan from where she was as a freshman to where she was as a senior, and, and did great work with Jessica Carter last year. Uh, she'll have a lot of popular support. You got a, a roster that's loaded. You know, this is preseason number three team in the country, according to ESPN, who released a way too early poll the other day. So there's going to be some momentum for her to sort of you know steady the ship. You just have to ask if she's the, the person to to run the show. You know, once this current group is out of there, so those are the top two names. But I think we learned with, with John Cohen and hiring Mike Leach that, you know, yeah, you can scratch off Don Staley and Gina Oriema, but beyond that, I, I don't know that there's not a coach that can look at the support Mississippi State has given to women's basketball and what the fans have put into it, and wouldn't at least be interested in the job. So, could be a big name or two to come out, but I would imagine those are the first two people that will be contacted. You mentioned that Matthew Mitchell almost immediately said, "Stand put," and he's yeah. had some success at Kentucky. And as I understand it, makes over a million dollars. And I get what you're saying about Memorial, but I mean, I'm not sure that playing a women's basketball game in a 24,000 seat arena makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I, I mean, Tennessee. Does. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to punch holes in the theory, but well, I mean, right. come on, T- Tennessee's different. I'm just saying, was. You know? Was that, but that but that's that's a point though. That's a point where you can say, look, they treating you. They're treating you like you know you you don't get to play in the big the big arena. You don't get to play on the same arena with the men. So sure. I mean, it's just just something that it's just it's just food for thought. Yeah, and Matthew Mitchell, as you mentioned, has had success in Kentucky. He is uh, what's his Sweet Sixteen run the best they've done. The they've they've been to three Elite Eights. Oh, didn't realize that they had gotten to the Elite Eight. So yeah, that's a lot of success. Not, not like he is in a spot where either he, one, can't get talent or two, can't win. Right, right. He's had good teams. I mean, this, his team this year was really good, finished third in the SEC, uh, was going to go back to the NCAA tournament. He has won 70% of his games. In his first two years at Kentucky, he was 17-16 and 16 and 16-16. 16 and 16. Since then, he's only had you know one bad season since then. In 2017, they, they had a losing season. But beyond that, he's been in the NCAA every year. So... You say Matthew Mitchell is one, 
and we got a message on the uh, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Hal in Starkville says Johnny Harris should be choice A, B, and C. I know there are a lot of people that are going to are going to feel that way, but there are some that are also going to look at this and say, oh, regardless of how we feel about Johnny Harris, you just lost one of the top five women's basketball coaches in the country by pretty much any measure. Yeah. I, I think that would be right. Fair. Um, certainly top ten, yeah. if you want to debate. I'd say top five. I, w- I wouldn't debate you. Top five, top ten coaches in America. Yeah. Now, do you just automatically give the job to the assistant, or do you say, oh, hold on a second, hold on a second. No, 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 no. You go out and get another top ten coach. You went and got That's... a coach last time, and, you know, maybe you were taking a little bit of a chance with Vic Schaefer. I think John Cohen's told us in the past that, you know, kind of, and I guess it wasn't John that hired Vic Schaefer. That would have been no, Scott Strickland, been Scott. right? Yeah, Scott Strickland. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you could certainly understand that argument from a Mississippi State fan. Go, look, I love the idea of Johnny Harris. But Johnny Harris has been an assistant for Vic Schaefer. You just lost a top 10 coach in America. You better go get a top 10 coach or a top 15 coach or somebody that's a top 25 coach that you think has the ability with the support and everything else to get to top 10. I mean, that's a reasonable argument, isn't it? Uh, Completely reasonable, and I think Mississippi State can attract that kind of coach in this sport. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take a timeout. Four o'clock hour begins in just a couple of minutes. Here we go, Sports Talk Mississippi. Rolling into the 4 o'clock hour on this Monday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We didn't start the show with it, so it is time for your Twitter poll question of the day. Or I guess maybe Twitter poll of the day. Yeah, and we haven't gotten to it yet, but we will at some point. You have uh, an optimistic, or at least it's being called that, scheduling model in golf that has a master's Uh, happening in mid-November. So the question will be, do you expect the Masters to be played as scheduled in November? Mm. It's projecting, and of course, the caveat that Rippey's put in there, and rightfully so, is nobody knows anything. However, with the positive models we got over the weekend and now this scheduling model, maybe it's possible. And so I'm going to see what the people think. Augusta in November, quickly. Well, it doesn't have to be quick. we got plenty of time. Yes or no, hey, Dad? Absolutely. Especially the weekend they're talking about, the, the crap college football weekend. Obviously, I'll, you know, Rippy and I will have SEC games to cover. But for the most part, nobody cares what's going on that weekend. So, yeah, that would be a fantastic thing. So, Rippy will be in Fayetteville. I mean, I, can we assume that if the Masters is played – the second full weekend of November that college football is also being played? In some capacity, yes. Maybe not with a full stadium, but yeah, they're playing ball that day if they're playing golf that day. All right, so Rippy will be in Fayetteville for Ole Miss and Arkansas, and Haydad is tentatively going to be in Lexington for Mississippi State and Kentucky. 
Uh, Cover the games on Saturday. Games. Rippy and I jump on a plane. We can be in Augusta Sunday morning. Well, that's that's good. That's good. You got tickets? Huh? No, uh, I figured we'd just get credentialed like everybody else does. Oh. We'll fig- we'll Rippy's working on tickets still. <laughs> I guess. Rippy, yes or no? Masters gets played in November. Cautiously, yeah, I think. Okay. I mean, they're not just doing this out of thin air, right? Yeah. That, no, you, you what do you gain by launching some... this? What do you gain by launching this? Albeit optimistic, but why would you launch this entire like revamped schedule unless you have a pretty good hope? And that, uh, I mean, in terms of the entire schedule they released, that's on the back end of it. So, yeah, sure. I like it. And Borky outside of the azaleas blooming, and I guess it's possible that they've got encore azaleas. I've never asked specifically what variety of azaleas they have (laughs) at Augusta. If they have encore azaleas, it's possible that the second bloom, the fall bloom, could be happening then. And another layer to that, by the way, I saw – Drone footage, different course, but still drone footage of winged foot in the fall. And oh, please give me those colors at Augusta National in the fall. I, it just it, it looked amazing. Um, but the time change, so that is two weeks after uh, you fall back. So oh, sun will no. sit there around five thirty, and it's a smaller field. Of course, the Masters is always the smallest major field. I think ninety three players were invited. This year, so around 90 guys were going to play in the tournament, which gives them more flexibility. But when the question is, how do you handle football or college football or the NFL on Sunday? They're going to start early, not for football, but kind of because they have to, right? Because you you have to make sure that you're done before five o'clock, even if the sun's sitting at five thirty. So you're going to see nine o'clock uh, final grouping tee offs on the weekend. Well, you, luckily the weekend you got the half the field. It's really Thursday and Friday where you're going to yeah. be stretched. You'll have to split tees. I think is the only answer. But uh, the smaller field helps. But I mean, what a great lead-in. You 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 would imagine that CBS will work it out to where they play the SEC game of the week that night instead of that day. So imagine watching Saturday at the Masters all day, and then when that ends. You flip over. Actually, you stay on the same channel, if you'd like, to the college football game of the week. Also, it's not going to happen, but them doing a Monday Augusta finish and not competing with NFL Sunday would have been pretty sweet. What could CBS be choosing from that weekend? You're talking about Saturday, November 14th, Florida, Missouri, in Gainesville. Tennessee at Georgia. Mississippi State at Kentucky, uh, South Carolina at LSU, and that's Vanderbilt it, at Texas A&M, Alabama, UT Martin, no. Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn, UMass. I know what game Gary uh, Danielson would prefer. It'll be Tennessee, Georgia, right? That's what it feels like, yeah. And it's it's all close in proximity. So if you want to do the you know Masters weekend promo while doing a game in Athens, it seems infinitely more doable that close together. No, I saw. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 Dan Dockage made a great point. 
Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you, I, I misheard you there, Rippy. No, that's what Borky was getting to, if I'm not mistaken, right? That, that's what I was getting to, yeah. I saw Dan Dockage and Kirk Herbstreit even uh, took that tweet and sent it to his producer, uh, Lee Fitting, to get college game day at the grounds at Augusta on that Saturday morning. No way they go for that. Oh, they wouldn't do the signs or anything, but or even I a crowd. I don't think. I have no way of knowing, but I don't think that that would fly with the gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen in the green jackets. Yeah, we're gonna have to settle for Nick Faldo as the guest picker, reminding everyone he's a sir. <laughs> yeah, how cool yeah. would that be, though? I mean, we're. It's set up somewhere, the image that they usually do, like where they put Scott Van Pelt on the first hole, that background's kind of unfortunate, but you could find a spot on the grounds somewhere to have just the college game day people and do one of the most unique shows in the history of sports television, college football game day, live at Augusta National, would be awesome. All right, let, let me, you have a, let, you have a me, temperament and a behavior style clash, don't you? Oh, yeah. With a golf tournament going on at Augusta, the kind of college game day type crowd? Oh, the, if you do it on the grounds, you would not allow people to stand and watch. It would have to be somewhere protected because if they make any noise disrupting the golfers, that I mean, there's no way. Yeah, I mean, I think there are only two possible spots where you could do it. One, it would be across Washington at Berkman's which is the big entertainment facility that they put together for fans. It's got all the restaurants and bars and whatnot. Uh, the other piece would be kind of next to the Golf Channel set up. I, I don't know if you're – the Golf Channel has its own building at the back of the range at Augusta. So when they built the new practice facility and the new media center and all of those things, they built a separate building for Golf Channel to broadcast live for the entire week, and that's why you get that practice range shot in the background when they're shooting that. I, I didn't know that until recently. It's a pretty incredible setup. Um, I, let me, there let me Hooters take nearby? this in a, Say what? Isn't there a Hooters near the course? S- yes. Set up there. They can put the stage next to John Daly's RV, have a real good time. Exactly. You guys are killing me. I have this massive conspiracy theory that I want to roll out. And we keep talking about Hooters and Dan Dockets, and blah, blah, blah. I don't even have time to expound on it now. Richard, we got to stick around. It really better be good to top. We all have that. months, Richard. Months. <laughs> Just let it drag no, it out. No, no, we can no, make no. a whole podcast. No, out no, of no, it. no. No, this can't. Th- this can't wait months if it's going to happen. Okay. Every great once in a while, I did one last week where Borky goes, "Oh, I hadn't thought of that." So there's a little institutional knowledge at work here, but I'm, I'm taking it so far beyond that and, like, getting black helicopters and tinfoil caps. We don't have time to do it right this second. Well, we can start it right now. Tease it. What's the game that normally CBS wants to play in primetime? Alabama. Oh. Against? LSU. Right. That is the week before. CBS only gets one, is it one or two, primetime games? Oh, we're going to move them? No, no, no. No, no, no. Just stick with me for a second. They only get one, don't they? Last year, wasn't there only one? It was Georgia Notre Dame last year. There were three doubleheaders, I think, 
but you only had one primetime game. Last year it was Georgia-Notre Dame. In the years prior, several years in a row, it's been Alabama and LSU. Hold that thought. I'm going to take you down a road in just a second. Just tell me if you think I'm crazy here or if we might be on to something. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, the 6th of April. We were a little late getting on the air today as Governor Tate Reeves finished up his press conference. Glad to be with you now. So, on the table, the conversation about uh, the Masters being moved to the weekend of November. Uh, November, what, it would be Saturday the 14th. So you would have golf on the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Um, so here's my thought. Let's assume that CBS wants Alabama at LSU on November 7th for its one primetime game. Just kind of looking at the schedule, I don't really see anything else that stands out to me as, you know what, that's the one we stick in primetime. Florida, Tennessee doesn't have the cachet that it once did. Um, you know, you look at Georgia's schedule. Okay, Georgia, maybe Alabama Georgia, this year. Georgia at Alabama on September 19th. That could very well be a game that they would like to stick in primetime. The point is, as we were talking a second ago, CBS might need – to go to a primetime broadcast on November 14th so that they can carry the Masters during the day and then roll it in on Saturday night to CBS so that they can do both, college football. Which means they probably would go Tennessee at Georgia, and maybe that's fine with them. But I don't know that Tennessee at Georgia is the ratings bonanza that... Alabama LSU or Georgia Alabama is. We we probably all agree on that, right? I mean, it's attractive enough, but not that, oh my goodness, that's the most watched college football game of the season. That is rooted in fact, yeah. So what if CBS says we really, really need to put Georgia Tennessee in prime time? But we really want Georgia-Alabama on September 19th in primetime. Or we really want Alabama-LSU the week before in primetime. And ESPN is the entity that would have to say, yeah, we'll give up our exclusive primetime window. Now let's talk about this negotiation for us to take over the CBS games. See where I'm going? I think so, but I want to hear it. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know from the details where that goes. I don't – it is, it is, if not 100%, I would say 95% certain that CBS will have SEC football this year. I think that 
percentage goes way, way down starting next year. Assuming we get back to normal and everything. Like, the, like assuming the whole deal doesn't go sideways because of coronavirus, which is ESPN becoming, you know, taking over that game that CBS has had. So the contract's got like three or four more years on it. And we've all kind of speculated that, oh, ESPN will buy CBS out early. But the deal is this. Okay, CBS only pays, what, what's the number, $55 million, $60 55 million. for the year. $55 million for the entire year, including the SEC championship game and the few college basketball games that they get. And yet, it's not like ESPN is going to be able to say, look, we'll give you $55 million, we'll take the package. No, that's not how this works. See, because CBS may only be paying $55 million for it but what are they making on it? That's the number that they've got to be bought out of. And so are they making $200 million on it? Are they making $250 million on it? it that, that's the number that ESPN is going to have to pay ultimately to buy them out of the deal. And our assumption is that ESPN on the backside of this thing is going to be paying somewhere between two hundred fifty and $300 million a year based on all the stuff that we've read. So, so that's kind of where we're headed in this. How big a feather in ESPN's negotiating cap for whatever it is that they want, right? I mean, is is this the piece where ESPN says, yes, you can go back-to-back primetime games, but we want the college football CBS theme music for ESPN. Or can they go for a bigger carrot? Yes. We'll pay you $250 million and we get the CBS music, but this is your last year broadcasting. We get it starting next year. Or the number goes down. Am, am I on to anything there? Could ESPN working with CBS so that they can get what they want this season, could that lead to something bigger and better for ESPN down the road? The only thing I would say is you're talking about giving up an awful lot for a one-time thing. I mean, this is just going to be one year of, of having this. So, I mean, how much are you willing to give up for, for one night? I don't know. Hmm. I think it's going to be a – I mean, you're talking about the only time ever that the Masters has been played in November. The old, the second time that it was not in April, and the last time was the end of March in 1934. Are people going to be more locked into golf or football that weekend? Or is it just both? Is it just going to be one big sports bonanza? The, the Masters is going to break a streaming record, is my prediction. So you will have people that will watch football on, on their television and have the Masters on whether it be their iPad or like a second TV they set up, the Masters will be streamed more than it ever has and up there with any event that is not illegally streaming an MMA fight. I think that's how it will happen, especially on Sunday, too, with the NFL being just the absolute king. And that's another layer to this. I mean, we're having a hard time figuring out Saturday. And Saturday's a lot more flexible. What do they do Sunday? I think Sunday's easy. I think they start the final round at 7 a.m. 
The final group tees off at 9.30. It's a five-hour round. Or maybe they, they maybe they tee off at 10. It's a five. How long is the final round? Five hours, five and a half hours? Five, five and a half. So let's say they go off at 10, and it takes them five and a half hours. That takes you to 3.30 which is 15 minutes after the window to start the second NFL game. So what do you do with the first one? And CBS just doesn't ones. have an early game. They just take an afternoon game that day. CBS has got a good enough relationship with the NFL that they just get it, – it's, it's like a week where they only have the afternoon window. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. But where do you go with all the regional ones that are on CBS every week? I mean, every now, game that's is CBS a good question. Fox. No, you're right. You're, you're right. That is a that is a very good question. I mean, does CBS get to have all of their games in the afternoon window that week? I think the the easy answer is yes, right? Uh. Let Fox take the early. I, well, you got to get Fox to agree to it, which they won't. But. I don't know. I feel it's like also there's like NFC, enough AFC thing, right? Doesn't it feel like there's enough kind of interconnectivity between Fox, golf, CBS, golf, the NFL? Kind of is the mediator. Well, Everybody's yeah, winning point. in this deal. That and yeah, they don't have any competition then if they go early because there are people that are that do not care at all about the Masters that just want to watch football. So you can dominate uh, the early window that day. And it, the the Masters audience is a very good one. I mean, that Sunday, even in the fall with football, they'll have 10, 11, 12,000, or thousand, million, million people watch it. Um, that's not going to take a bite out of the NFL audience in that window. Unless Tiger's in contention. Right. Like, yeah, that it would be the only circumstance. I don't think Fox would be I all that I think there's an argument it. to be made that if Tiger was in contention on Sunday, that it would be the biggest like ratings boost ever because you would have people that are all glued to their television anyway and they're sitting there following along on Twitter and as people realize he's in contention on the back nine you'll have more and more people flipping over from an NFL game to that to the point like if last year at Augusta happened this year where it's going head-to-head against an NFL game I don't know what the number I don't remember what the numbers were last year rating standpoint, Borky, but it feels like they might be double. Yeah. And imagine how surreal of a scene it would be if you're in an NFL stadium and during timeouts they're cutting to the Masters so you could watch Tiger sink a putt on 17. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm with you on this Monday afternoon. Take a quick timeout. And some of your thoughts on the C Spire text line after this break. 601-879-4395. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along on this Monday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. The Seaspire text line is open. 
Um, all of this about golf and we get this text that is if you're into golf personally I hate it SEC all the way hopefully yeah fair enough yeah but doesn't this provide not just optimism though because I mean we've gotten it we talked about Dabo having some last week and although it was a little bit goofy at least it was a message of positivity in an otherwise um, pessimistic world right now I mean, people are mistaking optimism for stupidity, and that's just a joke. But this is more concrete to me. Like, instead of Dabo just, you know, thumping his chest and saying, go America, and believe me, I love when people do that. I'm that guy myself. But when you have the PGA Tour, the Masters, the U.S. Open, all of these people involved that have already gotten events moved and canceled, they can't afford to do it again. There's a lot of money tied up in it. And and Augusta National is very wealthy, but there's no way that they are setting a date and they are going to prepare and invest all the money that it takes to run that kind of a tournament and keep the course the way it is to just have it canceled again. So this, maybe I'm putting on a tinfoil hat here, but this tells me them releasing a full schedule. I mean, they are prepared for everything tells me that they got a word this weekend that there is a real possibility to the point where they feel like they are comfortable enough to plan these things to make it happen. Not just hope, yeah, we're going to play football this year. I know we are, but this is, here's when we're going to do it. And that tells me somebody smart told them that they sh- they are they can go through with this, that it, it's the, yeah. the right move. Maybe I'm overthinking Rippy, it, but I don't think here. so. Rippy, I think this is a good point, and we didn't mention this says, remember, just last year in 2019, they moved the final round tee times up because of weather. The CBS Sunday broadcast coverage began at 9 a.m. I had forgotten that. Right. I guess I'm just asking what you do with the 12 o'clock NFL kickoffs. Yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, isn't it some combination of you give Fox more games that week and you shove more games into the afternoon time slot? I mean, I guess, but is it not an NFC AFC thing? And the NFL schedule is already in the process of being made and about to be released. So how does that work? My guess is the president of CBS Sports or the president of CBS calls Roger Goodell and the people there and says, "Let's do it." And if Roger Goodell is not currently a member of Augusta National, this could be his opportunity to become a member of Augusta National. Yeah, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm just wondering how that's all going to work. And imagine using a golf course membership as a catalyst for a multi-million dollar deal. I love that. Worked for Spurrier at, uh, at South Carolina, didn't it? He was never a member, but he was given access to the course through gotcha. a member, but they never actually made him one. I think Lou Holtz got a membership. That's that's Augustus lost then because the head ball coach would be a fantastic person to have as a member of that club. Yeah, but then you'd also write... be the guy that would walk the course without shoes and take a shirt off by 16. They can't have that out there. Again, Am no I crazy or did Lou Holtz get a membership out of the him taking the South Carolina job when Hootie Johnson was still the chairman? I do not know, and I'm trying to look it up as you talk to find a, a list of 
um, members and they just don't really oh, release that information. Uh, no, I mean, sometimes you can tell. Okay, there you go. There's the answer. At Rippy, how does it get done? Roger Goodell already is a member at Augusta National. That's how it gets done. Nice. <laughs> it'll all be worked out, and it'll work just beautifully for everyone. And it is just a they one-off, to do, too. I mean, they don't have to do you, this every you, year. You do know that Fox and CBS both just got additional playoff games as well. That was announced last week. As it right. pertains to what? The NFL is who granted those rights. You're going to tell me that Roger Goodell didn't know last week that Augusta was potentially going to make this announcement and they were trying to figure out all the TV stuff? You think they make this announcement that they're going to play November the weekend of November 14th knowing that their primary television partner has NFL obligations without figuring out the TV ramifications in advance? We're speculating. No, I didn't say that at all. I'm they already the, know what the, the heck they're going to do. What they about the playoff games, though? They, they, I'm telling you, all of this stuff works together. Those are good working relationships because the NFL just announced last week that the, with the additional playoff game that Fox was going to get one of those games and CBS was going to get one of those games. Which would make so sense because they're, they're two primary carriers. I just didn't know what that had to do with the Masters. I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not like it, like saying it can't. It's logistically impossible. I was just asking what they would do with that. They could have used it as a carrot during the negotiations, or they could have called and said, look, ESPN really wants this. We would like to continue to do business with you, but, guys, we got to figure out something, you know, a way to make this November-Augusta thing work. It's a one-off deal. And everybody goes, oh, well, wait, you got playoff games for us? Yeah, we'll, we'll get all that done. I think absolutely all that stuff works together. Maybe not specifically. Maybe I'm – Painting with too broad of a brush. I don't know. Um, Jeb wants us to talk about the Ole Miss basketball player that the Rebels got over the weekend in the transfer portal. Uh, We'll do that at some point. Thanks, Jeb. Always good to hear from you, bud. Uh, Jeff and Grenada. Conspiracy theory. Cohen... Had Vic announced change in a tweet for shock value to take the heat off of Leach? Only layer, it wasn't Vic that tweeted it. Right. Yeah. I don't know if ADs are working together like that. What about that exit, Which makes though? it even more conspirat- Ooh, conspiratorial. I, I like that. Some real deep state stuff. Uh, but the exit. I mean, as Haydad said, it is college athletics, and if... Vic Schaefer had a couple of losing seasons in a row. They'd have ran his butt out of there so fast. And so there's loyalty is just a cute buzzword that programs like to use when in reality, it's not loyalty. It's a job, it's a way to make money, and it's a winning business, full stop. However, if you're going to be the guy that he was for that program to build Mississippi State women's basketball into what it was, into something that people wanted to watch, which is rare around the country. If you look at attendance numbers, they're not very good. They are at Mississippi State. Finding out, I mean, reportedly, even the athletic director, that's how the news broke. And unless I'm missing it, outside of his press release from Texas has not directly addressed 
Mississippi State fans yet. Do you think that that's okay, the way that people found out and the way it was that it happened or not? I would say there's no good way to find out that he was leaving. Um, so maybe it's sort of like pulling off a Band-Aid, just rip it off and be done with it instead of trying to pull it off slowly. Um, I think, I mean, what, what, what's he going to do? Is he going to tweet out like a uh, like a decommitment, you know, respect my decision, no interviews, please kind of thing? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what he's going to do there. So, I mean, it, it, like I said, there's just no good way to say goodbye to anything in this life. Uh, so you sort of have to do the best you can. I, I've heard people say, well, you know, he went behind John Cohen's back to do the interview on this. Well, Borky, if you were interviewing for another job somewhere, would you tell everybody you work with right now? No. Unless I was taking it. I mean, it's a little bit different in the NFL where you've got to have teams' permission to talk to their assistant coaches, but it's understood that everybody's trying to get to that level of being a head coach in the NFL, and so nobody really gets held back from doing that. Or at least that's the way I understand it. Yeah. The whole idea of asking permission from another athletic director to talk to your sitting coach, not really how it works. But even then, it's not your coach. You're not talking to the coach. You talk to his agent. Right. you know, they don't. They don't. The coaches don't show up until the offer is in hand. All the negotiating happens through agents. So, who the colleges right. have and the athletic directors have no control over. So, should he have I done it differently? Point, though that's the question. Well, hey, Dad, I think your point's a good one. Is there's no good way? Yeah. I mean, if he sits down with his team and then he calls the local media together to share the news that hey, I'm going to Texas. It's not going to happen that way because. The first interviews you give about going to a new job are going to be with the new press people that you you visit with. Um, it's there's not a good way to break up, right? So you just break up, and you can talk about all the good times, but the bottom line is, good times are over. You're going to be with a new boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. It just you just are. I mean, maybe that's not the right terminology to use. It's what it is. It's a breakup. It's a breakup and a new relationship. Wish everybody the best and move on. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. One last time in the 4 o'clock hour, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Um, let's see here. Orky, trying to decide how we end the 4 o'clock hour. Let's just put a bow on the golf thing. All right. So, kind of going in reverse order, the Masters will be played the weekend of November 12th through the 15th. And to Borky's point earlier, they're doing the full slate of activities. They're doing practice rounds Monday and Tuesday. Uh, They're doing the par three contest on Wednesday. I I don't know if they're doing drive, chip, and putt in the women's. Did you see if the women's amateur was going to happen the weekend before as well? Got canceled. Okay, so that part got canceled. Drive, chip, and putt got canceled. They're going to do that next year. So kind of going in reverse order, the Open Championship has been canceled. 
It has not been postponed or rescheduled. It has been canceled for 2020. And it was supposed to be where? At St. George's? Is that what? Was it St. George's this year? I think that's right. The U.S. Open is now scheduled to be played September 17th through the 20th, still in New York at Wingfoot. That feels like it might be an aggressive timeline, but we'll see. The PGA is now scheduled to be played August 6th through the 9th, which, interestingly enough, is basically its old date. It's when they used to play it. That will be, at least for now, TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. The Ryder Cup will still be September 25th through the 27th. And it is where? Whistling Straits? Is that right this year? Does anybody know any courses? I I have no idea. I think it's Whistling Straits. Um, I'd be surprised, but I don't know. Ryder Cup, Whistling Straits, Kohler, Wisconsin, September, yes, 25th, 26th, 27th. And the FedEx playoffs on the PGA Tour have been pushed back one week. So instead of happening... um, First week of August, they'll be pushed back to the uh, second week of August. So starting August 10th and then concluding the Monday after Labor Day for the finish of the Tour Championship. So, and Borky, they have point scheduled earlier. all the way up, by the way, uh, to the end of May. Uh, that's their initial hope to start back playing PGA Tour golf is at the Charles Schwab at the end of May. That's their target return date. And okay, the Charles Schwab would be the that's May twenty first through twenty fourth. Yeah, but that's like the senior tour. It, weren't they? No, talking that's about what the tournament at Colonial in Fort Worth is called. Yeah. I don't think those have been uh, canceled yet, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to start back till mid June. Yeah, I was thinking that I had heard that the Memorial was the first one that they were going to try to play and maybe do it without fans. Well, they've got Charles which is Jack's tournament still on their schedule. Okay. Hmm. Um. So anyway, a lot of movement in golf. But uh, your your point again earlier about the Masters and kind of setting dates in place and all these things. I'm not so sure that some of these timelines aren't a little aggressive. But why would the PGA Tour roll out this entire schedule of majors and reconstructed plans, and this is when we're going to start, without some guidance from government officials and health officials? I mean, they wouldn't, would they? No, I don't think so. And and this weekend, and maybe we have time to get into it today, maybe if not today, tomorrow, uh, from the non-sports side, we are still dealing with a, a a pandemic. This does not change that, but we did get our first string of good news together uh, this weekend. Uh, the, the projections changed pretty dramatically. Uh, the governor of New York said that the uh, um, anecdotal testing or, or treatment that they've used, the, the malaria drug, they're using it in New York, and they've seen really positive results. So you've had the social distancing working. You've had the initial projections that uh, were... 
um, extremely liberal, not politically, but they were just they were very strong and they are not coming to fruition. Um, they've had to change their projections dramatically. And then the PGA Tour announces this Monday. I don't know. Maybe all connected. We'll hope that it's trending in that direction. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at uh, supertalk.fm. Thank you for being with us. We've got one more hour on this Monday afternoon, 6th of April. Take a time out and be right back after the news. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us on the 6th of April. Good to have you along for the ride. It's time right now as we roll into the 5 o'clock. Well, first, let me tell you the ceasefire. Ah, let's do it. College football fix. You're messing with me there. Get it together, I realized two. I was going a little too fast, but that's okay. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. And remember that your Ford service centers are still open. You've got plenty to worry about right now. Don't let the maintenance on your vehicle be one of those things. Uh, some Ford dealers even have complimentary pickup and drop-off available to you to make things a little bit easier. So... For the college football fix, um, hey, Dad, give us a little bit more on the whole guys entering the transfer portal deal at Mississippi State that, I, I don't know, the story doesn't seem to quite have died down yet. No, it hasn't completely died down, although you did see some social media this week from players saying they've, they've spoken to Coach Leach, and, and it looks like everything's starting to you know get back to normal there. But you did have another player enter the transfer portal today, redshirt freshman offensive lineman Brevin Jones. Uh played his four games a season ago and and I don't know how much you know probably a depth player at best a guy you know who would have been like the the fourth tackle not 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 a, a real contributor this season uh, for Mississippi State but he will enter the transfer portal that makes two uh with Fabian Lovett uh, going in there on Friday there were I guess a story this weekend with some quotes from Fabian Lovett's father um about this and we don't necessarily have to go into those in in great detail the other side of it was CJ Morgan who said that he had spoken directly with Mike Leach and had been able to kind of clear the air on there and uh, talked about the fact that Coach Leach had apologized. Um, and C.J. Morgan admitted that he made a mistake. Not not he individually, that Mike Leach made a mistake, but said, look, let's pull together and move on from this. Yeah, and you know that's when you were seniors, so you would you know that's that's good leadership if that's what you're getting there. Uh, Aaron Brule made a comment on social media saying, "Look, nobody's transferring just because of a tweet." Uh, that you know he felt obviously there's some other things at play there. And, you know, Fabian Lovett's recruitment. You go back to that. I mean, he decommitted from state on signing day or the night before signing day, and then got back in the boat. So there was you know it was sort of the the waters were a little muddy even back then. Uh, he tweeted back in December that he, he should have gotten out of Mississippi when he had the chance. So, you know, I, I don't know how happy he was or, or wasn't at Mississippi State, but obviously when, when something like this came up, he saw an opportunity that he could probably get out, and I would imagine he'll be able to use what Mike Leach did on social media as a, a, a lifeline to immediate eligibility wherever he goes. I would imagine that the NCAA would grant that, and uh, he'll just move on with his college career. Do you anticipate other players leaving at this point? Yeah, you never know. I mean, 
it's such a, an interesting dynamic because, like I said, I think on Friday's show, that normally, you know, Leach would have been able to immediately have a meeting with all of his team face-to-face, talk to them, get everybody's perspective, and move forward. And, and I, I'm sure they've done some of that, but it's just not the same doing it over your computer screen or your phone. So and will there probably be another, you know, person go yeah i i think the thing to remember is this that we were talking about attrition back when leach was hired because you know a lot of pl- the players state is recruited uh don't really fit what mike leach is going to do we've talked about keaton thompson and jalen maiden obviously would not be shocked to see them hit the transfer portal um maybe a couple of the tight ends mississippi state has on the roster because you know leach isn't going to use much of the tight end position so you know as as, as long as you're not seeing kylan hill or errol thompson or or any of those guys at the transfer portal, you know, there was expected to be some attrition. So, well, th- now will those guys use what Leach did as an attempt to get early eligible, wh- whether they were truly offended by it or not? Probably so, and they'll probably be successful with that. Yeah. Which is, I guess, just kind of where we are in transfer transfer portal world until we get to a point where you've got at least one free transfer with no penalty. Which is what? I mean, we, we kind of feel like that's where ultimately this is headed. But until you get that, you've got guys that are going to take advantage of whatever they need to take advantage of to be eligible immediately wherever they go. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's when there's no rules, you know, it's just, it just is what it is. And these, these guys are going to, you know, go. If you go to the NCAA and whether you believe it or not, you say, I felt uncomfortable because I felt like my head coach made a racist comment. I don't think that was a racist comment. I don't think that Mike Leach intended it as a racist comment, but if you tell the NCAA you perceived it as such, they're going to be hard-pressed to tell you no, I would think. They've already set that precedent with Justin Fields. Right, right. And that's, you know, a a kid in the stands yelled something at him. This is your head coach. If 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 you're going to say that I I felt like that relationship was compromised, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. I keep hoping that this baseball situation uh, will cause them to do the blanket one-time penalty-free transfer rule thing. I know holding out hope with that organization is probably stupid, but I wonder how much of not having baseball in softball and all the spring sports is a catalyst for change that needs to be done. Like baseball scholarship limits, for example, the third coach transfer rules because Kendall Rogers said there is going to be a power five conference that will not uh, let their schools bring back seniors. I mean, that that's, that's going to happen. And so they're going to want to transfer somewhere and they should all get a blanket penalty free transfer. Well, at that point you might as well just let everybody do it. Maybe this will be a catalyst for change. That's what I keep thinking about all of this. I mean, it makes sense, right? It would be 100%. easy. Wouldn't necessarily be the right word, but it would be the time where you could do it and just kind of do it all at once, rip the bandaid off. But the NCAA has not seemingly been on board with this idea. I mean, they've they've given more credence to it recently. I feel like I've kind of lost though some of the NCAA statements and where we were because so much has happened in the last month. Yeah. It's like we've shifted our gears away from conversation about transfer portal and legislation that's going to go into a place into place that's going to allow guys to transfer without penalty, guys and gals, 
uh, to transfer without penalty possibly one time. But, I mean, again, if you want to say you're going to open that up for baseball, then it would make sense to go ahead and do it all at once. My question is if they've got whether or not they've got to come up with the answer for the baseball faster than the answer for everybody. Like, like they, do they say, well, look, we need more time to work out how this is going to work for all the sports, but we've got to give baseball an answer right now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, because like you said, there's some seniors who are going to be sort of left out in the cold here who could make a transfer. You need to you need to get those guys into some some universities as quickly as possible. And the Ivy League has already, with their multi billion dollar endowments, refusing to pay a couple hundred thousand dollars to do the right thing. Um, so that entire conference has already uh, announced that. That was well, a but the Ivy League's rule. Was it not? Yeah, I was going to say, the Ivy League does not allow a fifth year of athletic competition for anybody. They don't allow redshirt years, and they don't allow extra years. Yeah, I feel like you could, um, you know, get together, have a little meeting, do it on Zoom. Zoom's very popular now, and talk about how the right thing to do, because this is a very unique event, would be to break your own rule for one year to do the right thing, but what do I know? Wouldn't the counter-argument to that be from an Ivy League perspective is we believe the right thing for our student-athletes is education-based and that yeah, athletics yeah, I know, but truly with us on. is just an extracurricular thing? Sure. But, hey, if you give them another year, they could get a master's degree. Yeah. And now, I, I mean, you've got to stand out, right, if you're going to get a job. And, I mean, a lot of people have undergraduate degrees, so our athletes will – have an even better shot at getting a job. I don't know. I mean, you can hire me to spin it. I'll spin it for you. Do regular students take victory laps at Harvard? I'm sure they do. It's pretty expensive to do that there. But by that same token, the flip side of the coin, most people go to Harvard. Money's not an issue for them anyway. The ones that it is an issue that it it, it is an issue for are probably there on academic scholarship and want to get the hell out of there as quickly as they possibly can anyway, so they can start making money. Maybe so. Um, that's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. It's easy to feel overwhelmed by the daily flood of bad news about the coronavirus pandemic. So this coming Friday, on Good Friday, Super Talk Mississippi wants to invite you and your family to take part in a day of hope. You will hear messages of hope from our spiritual leaders across the state, government officials, and good stories that are happening in cities and communities all across Mississippi. And at noon, uh, Mississippi's Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, will lead a statewide prayer. You can join us for a day of hope from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. right here on Super Talk Mississippi. This coming Friday, Good Friday, and it's going to be a day of hope. Sports Talk Mississippi will be right back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. The NFL has provided us um, some fun content. Looking back at the last decade, over the weekend, the NFL uh, released its all-decade team. This is kind of fun. Now, it's not just one player... It's not just one player at each position. We'll walk through it, and Michael Borky can tell us 
the things that he thinks are wrong with this. You can tell us the thing that, things that you think are wrong with it. Hey, Dad, you and Rippy can as well. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Ceasefire and UMMC are partnering to help Mississippi cancel COVID-19. For a limited time, COVID-19 screenings are free through the Ceasefire Health app for anyone in Mississippi with fever, respiratory issues, or other symptoms of the disease. Download the Health app to chat with a UMMC clinician for, from your phone. For all Mississippians, a consultation through the app is required to be tested for COVID-19. That's through UMMC. They can quickly assess your symptoms and determine if you should get tested for the virus. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. So how do we need to go? Do we need to go through and talk about the the spots, and you tell me what you disagree with. It's that's only right, it's only it? wrong in one spot, and I think you know you know exactly what spot that's going to be. Quarterbacks. This is the all decade team for the twenty ten. So from twenty ten through twenty nineteen. I'm assuming this is where you have a problem that Drew Brees is not on this list. Tom Brady was a unanimous selection. The other quarterback. From the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Why Rodgers over Breeze or Wilson? Hey, not talent, because Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback than Drew Breeze. Jameis Winston is a more talented quarterback than Drew Breeze, but the numbers tell you they, they have the same playoff success, although Breeze has been there a little bit more, and the numbers are better for Breeze. So why is Rodgers there? Same thing with Russell Wilson. If you tell me in the last 10 years that Rodgers has been better than Russell Wilson, I'm not buying. Okay. I mean, Wilson hey, probably Dad, a disadvantage that he didn't start playing until 2012. Right. So he has yeah. two fewer years. But, I mean, in this decade, even with the two fewer years, who's the better quarterback, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? I think that's an easy answer. Okay. If I had to guess as to why he's not on there, I mean, I, technically, I guess they won the Super Bowl in, in the in 2010, but it was the 2009 season. Is that right? So he didn't win a Super Bowl in this decade. But the guy holds every passing record that there is in the book. You, you got to give him. You got to put him on this team. Could you make an argument that Peyton Manning should be there instead of Aaron Rodgers? Mm. That's where the I guess the year thing comes into play, right? Yeah, and Peyton's weird because the year they actually won it, it was almost in spite of him. Yeah. Wide receivers of the decade: Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. In spite of all the antics, because of that, you forget how unbelievable Antonio Brown was at the wide receiver position. That's all I gotta say. Me. There was not a unanimous selection at wide receiver. There was not a unanimous selection at tight end. Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey are the two tight ends on the NFL's all decade team offensive side. Offensive lineman. Joe Thomas was unanimous as a tackle, joined by Jason Peters, Tyron Smith, and Joe Staley. Marshall Yonda was unanimous at guard, joined by Zach Martin, Logan Mankins, and uh, Jari Evans. 
The centers were Alex Mack and Marquise Pouncey. The running backs, one of them was unanimous, Adrian Peterson. The other three, Frank Gore, Marshawn Lynch, and LaShawn McCoy. And then a flex player, kind of a do-it-all guy, Darren Sproles, on the all-decade team. So that's the offense. Defense, defensive ends, J.J. Watt, unanimous. The other three, Calais Campbell, Cameron Jordan, and Julius Peppers. It's a pretty good group. Defensive tackles, Aaron Donald, unanimous. The other three, Geno Atkins, Indomitian Sue, and Fletcher Cox. So Mississippi State has an all-decade team defensive lineman. Inside linebackers. Luke Keikley, Bobby Wagner, Patrick Willis. So Ole Miss has an all-decade team inside linebacker, and it's been a while since Patrick Willis has played in the NFL. So the whole playing the entire decade thing didn't matter as much there. Shouldn't matter but at all. But similar, yeah. I mean, player. similarly, Borky. I was just going to say similar to what you said about Antonio Brown. That reminds you of just how unbelievably dominant Patrick Willis was when he was playing for the Forty ers Would you elect him into the Hall of Fame? Because yes, in his entire career. I mean, maybe you could throw an argument. It feels like it's inarguable that he was the best at his position for his short career every year. Yes, I think he's an NFL Hall of Famer. I do. What about Keekley? And Very similar career length, similarly dominant as well. Didn't play on very um, good teams. I mean, I think so. When you look at his numbers, they work. Got to one Super Bowl. Outside linebackers were Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, and Von Miller, who was unanimous. Cornerbacks, Patrick Peterson, Darrell Revis, and Richard Sherman. Remember the days of Revis what? Island? <laughs> yeah. When was when did Patrick Peterson get into the league? He was on that eleven LSU team, wasn't he? That played for a national title. Yes. Patrick Peterson was drafted in the twenty eleven uh, first round pick number five. So then, no. Was that right? No, he wouldn't have been was, on the team. No, he was not. He his okay. three years at LSU were eight, nine, and ten. Okay. Okay. Safeties, Eric Berry, Earl Thomas, and Eric, is it Weddle or Waddell? Whatever. Weddle. Uh, how about Eric Berry with all the issues that he's had with his health? Like serious health issues to be an all-decade team player for the, uh, for the Chiefs in the NFL. And then the uh, defensive backs, Chris Harris and Tyron uh, Matthew. So the Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson, both defensive backs from LSU, 
the whole uh, the, the argument about DBU, what Florida versus LSU? Is it Florida against LSU or somebody else that argues? I mean, it's that? Texas, it's Ohio State. There's a lot of DBUs out there. Florida State. I think LSU's got about as good an argument as anybody. Yeah. Special teams, the punters were Johnny Hecker and Shane Leckler. Leckler out of Texas A&M. The kickers, Steven Gostkowski, who was just released from the New England Patriots, and Justin Tucker. Punt returners, Tyreek Hill, Darren Sproles. Kick returners, Devin Hester and Cordero Patterson. I understand why they did it, but, man, taking a player like Devin Hester out of the game now is such a shame. You remember, I mean, punts were exciting because of him. Yeah, they were. That was the most exciting play of the game is because you knew Devin Hester was about to get the ball, and it doesn't get better than that, him in the open field. All right, Borky, if you had an issue with Drew Brees not being the quarterback, do you have an issue with the two coaches? Obviously, Bill Belichick, but then Pete Carroll, the other coach named as on the all-decade team. That's an interesting one. Wouldn't you have an argument for uh, Mike Tomlin? Consistency. Have they won a Super Bowl this decade? Whenever XL111 is. I hate that they do that. Just give me a year. Super Bowl 43. That was the end of the 08 season, though, so no. Well, then. February 1, 2009. Okay. Andy Reid deserve to be in that conversation? Oh, yes, absolutely. That's the right answer. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Monday afternoon, the 6th of April. Good to be with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. If you weren't with us in the 3 o'clock hour, you missed the conversation. Obviously, the biggest story of the day, biggest story of the weekend in the state of Mississippi is Vic Schaefer has left Mississippi State to be the head basketball coach at um, at the University of Texas. And, hey, Dad, let's just kind of uh, reset on this. Uh, pretty surprising news. Um, I I don't know when the news first leaked. I guess it was the uh, the tweet from uh, University of Texas that had uh, Vic Schaefer with his family and Chris Del Conte, the athletics director at the University of Texas. All five of them standing in a uh, picture giving the horns up sign. Did you get wind of this before it kind of broke, or or were you caught off guard like pretty much everybody else? Buddy, I was sitting in my recliner. I had already recorded my podcast, so because I didn't think any news was going to break, I couldn't. What, what did uh, what did Clark Griswold say? I couldn't have been any more surprised if I woke up with my head sewn to the carpet. Uh, was completely taken off guard that Vic Schaefer was leaving, especially like we've said earlier uh, to Texas when he is a you know, like a lifelong diehard Aggie, uh, but you know decided to make the move back to his home state and is now the uh, head coach of the Longhorns. Do you think? John Cullen was similarly caught off guard. Based on what I've I've heard, I believe that that he was. I believe that the 
they, they didn't that could have caught them uh, by surprise that they knew that that Texas had some interest in Vic Schaefer, but they didn't believe that he was going to make that uh that that transition. What do you think this means for Mississippi State women's basketball, which has clearly become a really big deal in the last I mean eight years for Vic Schaefer here, but it's the last five years in particular, including playing for two national championships that has been such a big deal or made it such a big deal? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a good question because a lot of the, the fan base that you saw at the hump for those women's games were there because of Vic Schaefer. Not, not so much that they were winning, although that, that was the bit, one of the big reasons, but they really love that guy. And so, you know, does the new coach get that same warm embrace? I, I don't know. Uh, I do know that whoever takes over that job is going to have an incredibly talented roster to work with, assuming that, you know, every, all the pieces come back. Uh, you know, you're only losing one player off of last year's team. That was Jordan Danbury. So, you know, the short term uh, for Mississippi State women's basketball is still very, very good, very, very high ceiling, no, regardless of who the coach is. You know, the question is, can that person build upon what Vic Schaefer left? It, it will be incredibly difficult to over, to achieve more than Schaefer did because all that's left to do is win a national championship. Um, we'll see if, if that's the case, though. What do you think this search looks like? Because we're we're living in an uncertain time, right? I mean, we anticipate that by the time we roll around to November, we'll have college basketball again, even though, you know, you get the women's conference tournaments this year, you got no NCAA tournament on either side, and basically the men's tournaments didn't happen. You had, you know, some that happened a week earlier than, uh, you know, the majority of the tournaments were happening. You had a game or two or a handful of games played in others, but there's still a little bit of uncertainty and it's not like you can just jump on I mean I guess you can use private planes and kind of go where you need to go and do what you need to do but travel's pretty restrictive right now I mean are you hiring a new coach based on zoom meetings yeah that's a good question uh you know how much facetiming can you really do to get a, a feel for something uh you know one of the top candidates is going to be Johnny Harris you know she's top assistant coach so those interviews obviously could happen on campus, but for the rest of the uh, the college basketball world, I, I don't know. You know, I do know that I think that Mississippi State is in a position to hire a, a big name coach. I think they can make the same sort of splash that they made when they hired Mike Leach. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't think Gino Oriema is going to show up in Starkville uh, next season or anything like that. But if you told me that somebody like Kelly Graves or Jeff Walls ended up at Mississippi State, I wouldn't be completely surprised by that. Kelly Graves is at. Oregon. Oregon? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Walls, the other guy you mentioned, is the head coach at Louisville, Louisville, right? Right. In the statement that John Cohen put out, he said that he addressed the women's basketball program, that they were going to have I – mean, I, I don't have it in front of me – exhaustive search and you know, going to find the right person. And uh, as he did when he talked about Mike Leach, he talked about understanding the culture of Mississippi State and the importance of et cetera, et cetera. You know the, the things that you expect to hear from an AD. Right. What do you think that means that John Cohen is looking for? I, I think he wants somebody who's willing to take on the same kind of uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Basically sort of do the things that Vic Schaefer was willing to do, get out and embrace – the Mississippi State fan base and, and invite them into the hump for these kind of things and try to keep, you know, that quote family atmosphere that's been going the past few seasons. You know, I think he's telling coaches, hey, if you come here and you win, you're going to have great, great support. 
unlike almost anywhere else in the country, maybe two or three other programs. So, you know, the fans the fans will embrace you. You won't have to play a back. I mean, in reality, he can tell these a good women's basketball coach, look, you don't even play backseat to men's basketball here. You'll be ahead of them in terms of what fans want to see. So, you know, that, that, that right now is the Mississippi State culture, that women's basketball is more important than men's basketball at this time. So I think that's part of it, and obviously, you know, for Cohen, you know, things like discipline are going to be a, a big deal for him. Things like, uh, you know, you got to be a good recruiter, uh, you know, an above-average recruiter, I would say, because that, that's where Schaefer, you know, as good a coach as Schaefer is, he's made his money because he has recruited incredible talent to start for. Uh, so you need to be able to keep those kind of things going. Um, What about the financial piece of this? Vic Schaefer was making an extraordinary amount of money for women's college basketball coaches. I mean, the, the contract was reportedly a uh, $2 million a year contract. It was a you know a yeah. multi-year deal that was due to pay him about $10 million. Um, I think there's some question about what the buyout number was and what it cost Texas to get Vic Schaefer out of Starkville. Is John Cohen going to be willing to pay another coach what Vic Schaefer was reportedly making at Mississippi State? I would, I don't know about the same amount because you know there's a lot of built up credit in there from taking it from where he was to where he got it. But if if you got like Kelly Gray's or Jeff Walls, and you're you're going to have to pay them, you know, they're not going to come down here for peanuts. They're certainly not going to come down here for a a five percent raise. You're going to have to put them in the uh, the seven figures there somewhere. So. I think so. You know, the thing about women's basketball is this: it's going to lose money. You know, you just have to sort of have to accept that fact. And you know, that's that's one of the interesting things right now, though, isn't it? Because with football sort of a little bit up in the air, how much can you can you really you know commit to? Because you don't know that for a fact that you're going to have that sixty seventy million dollars coming in at some point. So, I, I think if if John Cohen wants to put the money into it, there's money to be had. And uh, and he could pay a coach pretty much what he was paying Schaefer, or if not a little bit less, uh, if he wants to. It's a remarkable amount of money, especially when you talk about the fact that it's a sport that operates in the red. It does not operate in the black. Um, I think you're talking about a program that loses 4 to $5 million a year. Uh, and yet some schools have embraced women's basketball in a way that other schools have not. I think you're seeing that embrace happen more and more because women's basketball has gotten away from being, what, a two- or three-team sport. I mean, it's not UConn and Tennessee anymore. It's UConn is still there, but so is Baylor, and so is Notre Dame, and so is Mississippi State, and Tennessee's kind of on the periphery. And you've got some other schools that are trying to kind of kick down the door and get into that conversation. Stanford is there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there have been some other programs that have come and gone, but it's far more competitive than it was just a few years ago. And it doesn't feel like it's just preordained that UConn's going to cut down the nets every year. Yeah, if you looked at this year's Mississippi State team, they, they really did overachieve. And I don't think they were going to win the national championship. But if they had won it, it would not have been like a 16 seed winning the men's tournament or something like that. They were good enough, you know, talent wise. To, to get there, and it wouldn't have been the, the biggest shock in the world. So, yeah, there's probably a dozen to 15 teams this, you know, in, now in women's college basketball, when, which, like you said a few years ago, if you, could, if you got to the Final Four and you felt like all four teams had a, a, a chance, you, that was a big year for women's college basketball. What will allow the momentum to maintain? Like, to, for, for 
the crowd support, the excitement, the genuine passion that was developed over the last eight years for Mississippi State women's basketball, what or who will allow that momentum to continue and for it to be about a program and not just a specific coach? I think, you know, in the short term, it's about the players more than the coach. Whoever comes in needs to keep the roster intact. You know, this day and age when coaches change, you expect to have some attrition. You know, but if you can go into next year and know that you have Rakia Jackson and Jessica Carter and, and uh, you know, uh, Aliyah Matharu, and you keep your signing class with Madison Hayes, the five-star player, together, you keep all that together, everything's going to be just fine because you're going to keep winning basketball games. And then long-term, you know, it's it's about how you, you keep building the program and can you get to where Vic Schaefer didn't and he only had one step left to get. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.